Well, welcome to church tonight. Yes, yes, good stuff, good stuff. Um, one quick announcement before I jump into this. Some of you are double dippers. You come on Friday night and you come on Sundays and that's, you know, like special reserved seat in heaven, that kind of stuff, double dippers. I just want to let you know that I'll be preaching this same thing slightly better on Sunday. So if that's you, uh, just I told you, okay? So don't be mad at me on Sunday. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. We are in week six of our series going uh, through the Proverbs. And the, the question we're asking, the sentence stem that we're asking is, how do I dot, dot, dot? And so we've looked at money and we've looked at relationships and we've looked at several different things. How do I dot, dot, dot? But tonight we're going to ask the question, how do I dot, dot, dot? trust God? How do I live by faith? And so hear the word of the Lord from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I'll read this, and then we'll pray. Solomon says, my son, my daughter, my kids, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years, and they will bring you peace and prosperity. Now let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will win favor if you do that. If you bind love and faithfulness around your neck and around your heart, let them get in you. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Submit to him and he, God, will make your paths straight. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God, let's pray. We need you, we need you, we need you, we need you. Help, Lord. We come in here with our stories. We come in here with the unique weeks that we've lived. We come in here with joy and we come in here with pain. We come in here with excitement for the future. We come in here with questions and agony about the past. Lord, you know what we're carrying. And only you can help us. Only you can deliver us. Only you can make something of us, this ragtag group of people. And so we say, do that tonight, Lord. By your spirit, would you walk these aisles? And would you walk our hearts? And would you tap on our shoulder? And would you soften our hardened hearts tonight, Lord? You know we need you. So I pray, Lord, that we would go to our cars tonight different. We don't want to waste our time. And we, Lord, we really need you. So may the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable. In your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. I pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said. This passage calls us to do the scariest thing we could ever do, which is live by faith. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, think about all the different ways that we completely take this for granted. We live by faith. 
But we take this for granted. You, you live by faith when you go up to a water fountain and you drink out of it. You don't know where that junk came from. You just go, yeah, the world is good. You sat down in that chair after worship and you did not think a second thought about it collapsing out from underneath you. You live by faith every single day of your life. We get in these metal tubes and we fly up to 35,000 feet going 500 miles per hour. Louis C.K., the comedian, said, do you realize what we're doing? You're sitting in a chair in the sky. Like everybody on every flight should be going, ah, for two hours. But we just do it. And it's like, yeah, can I have some peanuts? And um, What, mask? Okay, great. And we just take it for granted. Like this is what we, yeah, we, we go to 35,000 feet and go 500. Every generation before us would think we are the stupidest people if we told them what we did, you know? Like we live by faith. We we do these things day in, day out. Think about a little child who has no speech, just sounds, who has no control over choosing to come into the world and then just gets caught one day outside of the amniotic craziness and is looking, can't see anything. And then when finally he or she can, they say that the farthest they can see is from the mother's breast to the mother's eyes. Let me talk about intimacy. Like, and they just lay there living by faith that someone's gonna be good to them. Like, would you feed me? Would you change me? Would you, would you strap me in? Would you put me in bed? I just, I'm so tired. Would you do what's good for me? Because I have no control and I don't even know what's good for me. I just need somebody. Think about the elderly. Coming to this moment of fragility and you've lived a long life and you've done your best and you come to this moment and you just hope someone will be good to you. I'm going to make up a verb here tonight, but I want to suggest to you that human beings are faithing creatures. We all live by faith all the time. But the world offers us three cheap substitutes for the life of faith. And I want to point these out briefly tonight. Three cheap substitutes for the life of faith. The first one is certainty. Oh, I got God figured out. Oh, yeah, he's fine. It's no big deal. I, there was a guy that I grew up with around in Tulsa, and he just would say to me all the time, yeah, I have questions, and he's probably 20 years older than me, and, and oh, it's just simple, brother, just real simple. It's fine. Jesus is easy and good, and it's just simple. And, and I just thought, I think you're simple. <laughs> it, it's not simple. Like, have you ever asked these hard questions? Have you ever been to a funeral? Have you ever... Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever, ever watched and, and seen the world coming apart at the seams? And why in the world is there poverty elsewhere? And why in the world is there war and rumor of war? And, but we want to be so certain. Oh, it's great. And tie a bow on God and answer all the questions. And we've got our little documents and our packages and our conferences that we put together just to say that it's just real nice and clean. Two plus two in the kingdom equals a simple four. And, and actually God is this unity in, in, in diversity. God is this three in one. Our two plus two equals four doesn't work with the triune God. There's mystery. There are, there are questions. God is this 
Trinitarian dance of beauty and, and majesty and holiness. And, and sometimes all you can do is just fall down in his presence because there are no words. But we want to be certain about things and we want the puzzle to be solved and create our little divine trigonometry with the mysteries of God evened out and the angles clearly defined and measured. And God is a series of a complex formulae and, and if you just get those things right, I have all the answers and I have no mystery, which means I don't have to live by faith. I live by my formulas. The world offers us the cheap substitute of certainty the second thing is the world offers us the cheap substitute of comfort. Comfort. If I can just secure my life, if I can just make sure that my, my ship is airtight and I'll never sink, if I can just get enough money and, and, and deepen my pockets enough, and if I can just have the right medical care, and if I can just live in the right neighborhood and get my kids in the right school, and if I can just make sure, we, we want comfort. And, and and I get it, we're human creatures. We, we, we need safety. I'm not discounting that, but we want to idolize comfort and make it our God and push the, the divine trinity off to the side. You're so mysterious and you're so difficult and I would like comfort. Proverbs uh, 18 verse 11, Solomon says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Think about this. And they imagine it an unscalable wall. If I could just get enough, I'm okay. They imagine it, it's their, it's their safety, it's their comfort, and they imagine, and, and Solomon's kind of tongue-in-cheek, he's laughing at us. Oh, really? You think because you have enough money, your life is an unscalable wall? Have you lived long enough to know that that's not true? Did any of you uh, uh, ever seen any, you know, you ever seen a Jim Carrey movie? Now, I am not endorsing. I'm already getting judgment from some of you. <laughs> you know, you, oh, I thought you were saved, brother. Jim Carrey, I grew up loving Jim Carrey, right? And this is not an endorsement. Kids, you should never, ever watch a Jim Carrey movie. I am telling you that it's evil, I'm, but I'm telling you my struggle, okay? I'm telling you where I come from. We all have a past. Jim Carrey's a part of mine. So I was, I was 12 years old, and, and Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, came out, right? Terrible movie. Do not see it. And my, I told my parents, I love Jim Carrey in Living Color, right? You know, anyone ever seen Fire Marshal Bill? Like, <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> anyone ever seen Jim Carrey? Okay, very good. So my parents, yeah, I was like, I really want to see that. And they're like, first of all, it's PG-13 and you're 12. But that's not even, like, that's just, no. <laughs> I was like, okay. But I was really heartbroken about it. And then Nathan Barnes this guy told me, Nathan, if you're watching this, bless you, brother. Nathan, he was 14 and I was 12, and we said we were gonna watch another movie, and my parents said, okay, yeah, you can watch that. So we went to the theater off of Lewis and Tulsa, 71st and Lewis, and we went in and we watched that dumb thing. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. That was the besetting sin of my sixth grade year. Lying to my parents, I'm sorry, mom, especially because that was an offense against God and mankind. And I went and watched that thing. Jim Carrey, you know, right? So Jim Carrey, at that point, that was kind of his hello world moment. He started making 20 million a movie, flying around on private jets, homes all over the globe. Any woman that, Jim Carrey, right? He, he, could, he had all the comfort he could ever desire. And it was his fortified city. And he imagined it an unscalable wall. Until he lived just a little bit longer and the ache was still there for peace 
peace, deep peace. Because you can have deep pockets but not have deep peace. And he's like, what's wrong with my life? I've got everything I could ever want except I, have, I don't have the most elusive thing which is, it's free, it's peace. And Jim Carrey, he said after he kind of wrestled with these demons for a decade, Jim Carrey said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. If you can get comfort, if we can just make sure our lives are organized to our own good, and you'll imagine it an unscalable wall, but if you put your faith in that, your life will come apart at the seams. The third cheap substitute that the world offers us is cynicism. Certainty, woo, got God locked down, and we made him tap out and call uncle, or comfort, you know, we got our deep pockets. But the other end of the spectrum from certainty is cynicism. Cynicism, nihilism, despair, burn the world down because it's beyond repair. There's nothing beautiful, there's nothing good, there's only darkness, there's only evil. Who cares, who cares? I heard one great thinker say one day that inside every cynical person is a disappointed idealist. People who've just been through pain. You went to a funeral you never expected to go to. You were betrayed by someone you thought was forever. And life falls apart and very often the, the, the natural response is just a deep cynicism. And again, I'm not judging it. I completely understand. I've had to, I've had to let the spirit pull me back from that ledge. Cynicism, though, is a cheap substitute for the life that we've been called to live, the life of faith. These are the three cheap substitutes, but scripture says time and again the just shall live by faith. Abraham and Sarah, the, the, the sort of archetypes, the ancient archetypes for the life of faith. The just shall live by faith and they overcame all three of these cheap substitutes. They overcame certainty. God says to them, go to a place that I will show you as you're going. What? No, tell me where I'm going and then I'll decide if I want to obey you. No, go ahead and pack your bags and go to a land that I will show you. They overcame the cheap substitute of certainty. They overcame the cheap substitute of comfort. They left Ur of the Chaldees. They left their ancestral lands. They left their inheritance. They left their, the, the, the pastures that they knew for their massive flocks and they left their people. And they went to a land that God would show them. They overcame the third one of cynicism with barrenness, instead of collapsing inward, you know what they did? They laughed. It hurt like heck, but they somehow found a way to keep on laughing and go, God, if you said it, it'll be your job to do it because we've done everything we can. <sighs> they overcame the cheap substitutes. So why do we live by faith? If we know that there are three cheap substitutes, why do we live by faith? And I'll, I'll say number one here, just as, as simple as I can say it, we live by faith because we have to. John 1, 18. No man, no one has ever seen God at any time. 
I've, I've never had a conversation face to face, face to face with Jesus. I wasn't there on Calvary when he was bleeding out, crying, Father, forgive him. I wasn't there at the beginning when God said, let there be. I've never seen him. I was born in 1982 in Tulsa, Oklahoma into a family that took me to church and they gave me this book and we read this story and somehow, someway by the spirit of the living God, you could never talk me out of this being, not being the truest story in the history of mankind. I just, I just somehow know. We, but we live by faith because we have to. God has not given us data points that we can make a mental ascent and okay, fine. I'll, no, we've just been given broken body and shed blood and a dripping cross and the body of Christ and the promise of a future that's crashing in on us that only God has secured in the resurrection of Jesus. We live by faith because we have to. We're, that's what we're working with. We've been given this story and we live into it. It's not the life of certainty. It's not the life of airtight answers. It's certainly not the life of control. And I want it to be. But the just shall live by faith. And so get up every morning and say to yourself, I am not in control. And therefore, God, I give myself to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes I think I'm crazy. And sometimes I think I'm talking to an open sky. And sometimes I feel the ire of other people. But this is the story. Let's go. Second reason that we live by faith is we live by faith because it's good for us. <laughs> I hate it, but it's, it's how we get where we need to be. It's how we are formed into the image of the Son of God. It's how we're purified. The Bible is full of stories about people who started off weak and became strong. God knows what he's doing by calling us to deny ourselves and take up our crosses and follow Jesus down the dusty roads of Palestine and the dusty roads of Colorado Springs. And God is not here as a masochist and trying to make our lives miserable, but he is intent on drawing out of us everything he put inside of us, the image of God fully uncovered, all the debris moved away. He is intent on making us clean and pure and holy and joyful for the world. And so we live by faith because God knows it's good for us. God only calls yahoos and sinners and losers and liars and scoundrels and fornicators and the deeply fearful. He only works with people who need tightened up. And he calls us into this, and what he, what he does is he finds us in, in one state, and you look up a decade later, and you go, I don't even know how this happened, but somehow I'm blessing those who cursed me, and I'm praying for those who despitefully used me. And I used to live one way with my sexuality, but somehow God has cleansed me, and, and, and he's forgiven me, and he, I used to be tight-fisted and, and trying to make sure that my life was secure, but somehow by the Spirit, I've opened up my checkbook and my pocketbook and my home and my heart, and I'll just take in whoever God sends my way. We live by faith because it's good for us. Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Ruth and Mary and Paul would all tell you God found him one way and he turned him into something else. Nelson Mandela, I've read A Long Walk to Freedom, his biography. He would tell you that 27 years in the Robben Island prison was the worst experience of his life and it was the best thing for him. That God found him and he made him something New, because the just shall live by faith. Dietrich Bonhoeffer trapped in Nazi Germany and thrown in a cell, and he's 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 locked away from his 
his uh, fiance and they're just days away from getting married when he gets arrested and his life gets taken over and swallowed up and he would tell you through his letters from prison and, and everything that he wrote that somehow that that process made him more like Jesus. We live by faith because it's good for us. It costs us everything and it's as painful as heck at times. And, and sometimes we want to opt out and we want to check out and we want to quit. But we, if we'll just stay long enough, we will look up a decade from now and we'll go somehow, some way. I'm looking more like Jesus. The life of faith is the crucible that burns out the impurities and reveals the image of God in us. So stay in the crucible of the life of faith and become more like Jesus. The third thing, why do we live by faith? We live by faith because God raised Jesus from the dead. I don't know how else to say it. God raised Jesus from the dead. <laughs> there was this man who, who, who was born of this uh, teenage single mom and the community was scratching their heads like, what's going on there? Because I know Joseph, he's a decent guy. He comes from good stock, carpenter family. But that girl, we always kind of knew Mary was a little bit sketch, but now we really know and then this boy comes and he's circumcised on the eighth day, he goes to church and then he disappears until he's 12 and he gets lost in church and then he disappears for 18 years. He's 30 years old and he comes out of the wilderness praying and fasting and tempted by the devil but he overcomes and he comes out in the power of the spirit of God and he went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil and this man three years later was snatched up by the Roman Empire because, you know, defensive much? <laughs> the most powerful dominating people in the history of the earth, but there's this Jew walking the streets and, and they're so scared of him that they've got to crush him and they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. But on the third day, as Jesus had said time and time again, I'll be crucified and on the third day, my father will raise me up. The worst thing won't be the last thing, trust me. Just watch my life and watch my story. And sure enough, on the third day, the stone was rolled away and the man races out with like... I, I don't know else how to say it, that we, we live by faith because God raised Jesus from the dead. We don't live by faith because Jesus fed the poor. So many other people have done that. Praise the Lord for that. Thank God Jesus fed the poor. It's beautiful. We should all feed the hungry and, and take care of the poor, but that's not why we follow Jesus. We, we don't follow Jesus just because he loved children. Mr. Rogers did that. That's great. I'm glad he loved children. Let the little children come. It's beautiful and all that. He let them interrupt church like we did last week at the family service. And that's wonderful and we should do that. But that's not why we follow Jesus. We don't follow Jesus just because he was a moral teacher. We've got Gandhi and the Dalai Lama. We've got Ram Dass and we've got Oprah and we've got all these wonderful people. We don't follow Jesus because he was a moral teacher. We follow Jesus because he was dead and then on the third day he wasn't. And that had never happened before and it's never happened since. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. And so we worship Jesus because he's the one that not just talks about life, but he is life. And death couldn't kill him. <laughs> life, 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 life. Frederick Buechner said, resurrection means that the worst thing, which is death, for the human is never the last thing. The worst thing is never the last thing. The worst isn't the last thing about the world. It's the next to last thing. There is death, there is pain, there's suffering, but it's the next to last thing. 
The last thing is the best. It's the power from on high that comes down into the world that wells up from the rock bottom worst of the world like a hidden spring. Can you believe it, he says. The last best thing is the laughing deep in the hearts of the saints, sometimes our hearts even. Yes, you are terribly loved and forgiven. Yes, you are healed. All is well. And Solomon, by faith, a thousand years before Jesus Christ the Messiah would race into Israel, Solomon could feel this deep in his bones and in his psyche. And he'd read the scriptures and had been trained in the, in the story of Israel. Solomon knew. And so he writes us and he says, trust in the Lord Yahweh. The Messiah will come and the Messiah will defeat death and hell and the grave and the Messiah will heal the sick and he will raise the dead and he'll feed the poor and he'll love the outcast and he'll forgive the adulterers. The Messiah will come and when he comes, you latch your life to the Messiah. This is what Solomon says, trust in the Lord. And then he says, with all of your heart. Friends, I wish I could tell you better news, but this thing takes everything. There is no plan B. There is no side hustle. There is no side chick in the, in the kingdom of darkness. There is, no, there is no other way. There is no other story. There's just all your chips on the table. Come and deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, says Jesus. And Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It's going to cost you everything. And this is good. And he says... As you live this way, he will direct your path. If you will live by faith and if you will endure and if you will refuse the cheap substitutes of certainty and comfort and cynicism and if you will stay with him and let him escort you through the valley, the various valleys of the shadow of death that you will find yourself walking through in your pilgrimage on planet earth, if you will stay with Jesus, Jesus will get you home. Four years ago, my grandpa Dan was on his deathbed. Some of you have heard this story. Some of you have seen this video. I've played it one time, but I'm gonna play it again tonight. Grandpa Dan, almost 86, had been married to Grandma Wheezy 66 years. All 50 of his family are there, all of us. Everyone is in the house. No one is missing. 23 great-grandchildren at the time, I think. He knew them all by name. He blessed, he got this like second wind of strength. He was, he was laying down, but the spirit came on him. He sat up in his bed, and with his oldest, he started calling one by one. He knew everyone's name, and everyone came to his bedside, and he kissed them, and he was crying, and they were crying, and he blessed them, and he wiped their tears with his bed sheets, and he said, it's gonna be okay. He was telling Lillian, she was little, it's gonna be okay, Lillian. I'm going to see Jesus, and I'll see you again. Beautiful time, and we baptized him. He'd never been baptized, and he said, Daniel, I got one thing to do. I gotta be baptized. And so I brought out a bowl of water and two towels. I've got the towels up in my office upstairs, a red towel and a blue towel. And I, I washed his head with water and I wiped it. And washed his feet with water and I wiped them. And he laid there quiet after his baptism with his eyes closed and you could hear a pin drop. 50 of us in the room and he said, there is no more fear. Holy ground. So all of us, we have to go. We've got all these people and we're sleeping in campers and tents on their property and we get in our cars and we go back where we live. One cousin stayed around for a few days, Lene. And Lene 
was sitting behind Grandpa Dan. He's laying in front of his window looking over the Clearwater River and the Snake River's right down the, the way and he's in this home and Grandma Wheezy's there and he knows it's time and he just starts getting caught up into this moment and Lene got her phone out and she filmed this and so I want you to watch this 30 second video of Grandpa Dan. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, life, life. We all will come to a point where that is the only thing that matters. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter if if life's been just airtight or if life's been a mess. All of us will come to that moment where all we have is the man Jesus Christ himself to lock eyes with and to be drawn up into the life that will never end. And my friends, I say to you tonight, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Can you say amen tonight? Stand with me. We're gonna receive communion here. If you have your communion elements, go ahead and grab those. If you don't, just raise your hand, and our team will bring them to you. What we're gonna do tonight before we receive from the Lord is we're going to confess. This is what we do when we come to this moment and we hear the call, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Immediately we're aware of all the ways that we haven't (laughs) and all the shortcuts that we've taken, all the cheap substitutes that we've settled for. Immediately we become aware of the laundry list of failures and all the ways we've been a loser in the kingdom of God. But Jesus doesn't stop there. But before we go to the table, what we need to do is renounce and release (laughs) oh yeah that doesn't work Jesus yeah I tried that thanks for the heads up you told me I didn't believe you but I found out it doesn't work and so I'm renouncing and releasing that I'm giving away that old story that I tried to write for myself the story that I thought was going to be beautiful ended up being deathly and so Jesus take that And give me broken body and give me shed blood. Heal me and forgive me and renew me. Jesus, I need you. So on the screen is gonna come an ancient prayer, so much of it lifted right out of scripture, a prayer of confession. And we're addressing him as most merciful God. We're not addressing him as divine taskmaster, slave master of the heavenlies, fearful one, No, we're saying, most merciful God, forgive us. And so tonight, would you join me in praying this prayer of confession by saying, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent.
For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. And now I come to you with the gospel proclamation that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that now you having been made just, you can live by faith. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and I'll invite you to open up your elements there. And he knew these friends of his were gonna struggle. (laughs) Peter is just hours away from going, yeah, never heard of him. Three times, nah, I'll go to death with you, Jesus. Never heard of him. Judas has got 30 pieces of silver with his name on it. All these other ones are gonna run back to Galilee into their lives, tax collecting and just picking up the pieces. And Jesus goes, I know what you're gonna need for this journey, so here you go. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And if you just break that little wafer there. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, <laughs> remember. Remember me, do this for the remembrance of me, friends. Jesus lived by faith first. You want me to do what, Father? Okay. And if Jesus lived by faith and now he gives us his broken body, we too can live by faith. This is the body of Christ broken for you. You may receive the bread. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, This cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. And tonight you just need to hear it. God is not mad at you. (laughs) We come to this table and we think he's got a furrowed brow and we think he's here keeping tabs and trying to make us feel like idiots. That's what we do. This is my blood given for you, given for the remission of your sins. Come on in to my Father's house. And every time you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Friends, you are forgiven. You may receive the cup tonight. And now let's worship Jesus Christ.
on, church. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. He reigns, he reigns, he reigns, he reigns. Hallelujah. just shall live by faith it's going to take everything it scares us at times it annoys us at times doesn't feel great most of the time but it is the way (laughs) it's the only way and so Jesus we say yes to you tonight king of kings lord of lords risen from the dead seated at the right hand of the Father. 
only you, Jesus. Tonight, for my friends, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. That you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, smile big on your people and on my friends and grant them peace tonight, I pray, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. One more time for what the Lord has done here tonight. Reminder that we've got a gathering out in Guest Central for the single parents who want to come and uh, share contact information and go from here tonight. I want to invite the prayer team down. I knew I was forgetting something. We'd love to pray with any and all of you. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.